Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant collaboration of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we are here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim, from bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of the wonderful memoir, The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the founding sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile and amphibian supplier in the world from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man who still runs it. Renowned as the international leader in UVB and heat lighting, ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools in the U.S., which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. We're also sponsored by Oxbow Animal Health, the one brand that has stood out for more than 30 years as the leader in health and wellness for small mammals. Veterinarians, rescues, and passionate pet parents worldwide trust Oxbow to support the health and happiness of their small pets. Oxbow provides for rabbits and guinea pigs, ferrets and chinchillas, hamsters and gerbils, mice and rats, because these small pets have big hearts and require special nutrition and care. Oxbow has everything needed for their best life, the right hay and nutritionally complete foods, treats and supplements, litter and bedding, and a whole line of enrichment products created so your little loved ones can chew, play, hide, and explore every day. We're also brought to you by the bird food specialist Zupreme, which started with a revolutionary yet simple idea, provide exceptional diets for extraordinary animals. Best known as the bird nutrition specialist, Zupreme creates many foods for birds of all sizes, and they also make a variety of treats to appeal to every sort of bird and enhance their lives. I am back with the marvelous Dr. Micah Colas, who just knows pretty much every darn thing there is to know about small mammals and particularly their nutrition. It's a passion topic for both of us. Dr. Micah, ferrets and rats and what other animals have similar nutritional needs and what are we doing wrong right now? I mean, what are the others besides ferrets and rats that fall into that category? Well, one of the cool things with kind of exotics in general is we get to see so many different species, like from rabbits and guinea pigs to dagoos to hamsters to, to mice, mice, rats, and, and ferrets. Um, but we have to remember that there are a lot of differences nutritionally. And, you know, let's first of all take the ferret. You know, ferret is, think of it as nothing more than a, a long, skinny cat that likes to get in trouble, right? Really? It's an obligate, you bet. It's an obligate hyper carnivore. Exact same thing as a cat. So okay. it's all about fat and protein with very limited needs for starches and sugars and carbohydrates. The other bucket of that you alluded to would be all of our rats, mice, hamsters, gerbils, you know, all by definition are omnivores, right? Like human beings, so they can survive on plant material, animal protein, insect protein. How 
However, most of these animals are going to preferentially find and survive on plant material, right? Because that's just what's most available. However, if they can find insect protein, if they can find animal protein, that's a lot of bang for the caloric buck. They're going to source that uh, as best possible. I mean, there's really no reason. It kind of makes sense with rats. I mean, rats are the single most probably widely dispersed species on our entire planet in terms of successfully living in a diversity of ecosystems. Well, that's because they can survive on such a massive diversity of different types of nutrients, right? That's really the kind of definition of an omnivore, like a dog, like a human being, so on and so forth. Well, I didn't know. Of course, we know from from Charlotte's Web and the most marvelous rat in literary history that you know, what's better than a country fair? You eat a little of everything, but they never mentioned exactly. him like eating pork ribs. I mean, do, oh. would rats love to eat meat? Are we are we shortchanging our pet rats by not giving them a chicken breast or something? 100%. And, you know, Seriously? again, we, we want to think about, well, we want to think about proportion, right? Like, I don't want a rat pulling up to a table and putting his napkin and eating a T-bone dinner, right? That's not <laughs> what we're talking about here. But they're very opportunistic, and what is so unique and what makes omnivores by definition so successful is their ability to a lot of times catch or, or acquire or simply survive on diversity of nutrients. So I'm 100% a believer, again, to mimic natural. So when I look at a rat's diet, yes, the majority of it's going to be plant protein-based, right? Because that's typically what they would find. But adding in small amounts of animal proteins, adding in small amounts of insect proteins, not only do they usually love it, but it's great nutritionally. And so when we think about rats, and for that matter, hamsters, and so on and so forth, we look at that diet profile, we again want to understand, can we get that diversity of proteins in their formulated diet, which sometimes we can, but if we can't, how do we add that? So I always want to start with a foundation uniform kibble. Again, they're a concentrate selector just like a rabbit. So if we give them a mix, they're going to pick out what tastes good and they're going to leave what they don't like. And then we want to diversify on top of that. So I like to use a uniform high fiber or high nutritionally appropriate kibble. Again, Oxville can cover all your bases here for anywhere from 50 to 60% of their maintenance diet. And then that additional 30 to 40, 50% is all about diversity, fruit vegetables, seeds, insects, animal proteins, so on and so forth. Wow. Okay, let me go back to the uniform kibble. So you're saying they'll eat what they like and leave what they don't. So when Oxbow makes it, do they make every little piece be tasty to a rat, a guinea pig? I mean, a ferret or a rat? Yeah, let me ask you, Tracy, what do you do when you go to the buffet? Do you take one little scoop of every single thing that's on that buffet because you know you should get diversified nutrition? Of course not. I mean, I do because I'm a nutrition nut, but that's another story because I'm just a pain in the neck that way. And I would never go to the (laughs) dessert part and I don't eat sugary stuff. I'm just a bore. But Well, you're you're unique in the animal world. I am unique in the animal world. It's a a true fact. But you spoke about the... The rat's going to go for what tastes good. Okay, so so you talked about him tucking into a T-bone. Of course, you're not going to give him the whole T-bone, but... There's, we shouldn't give bones to our dogs, right? Because they Correct. can cr- they can crunch them up and they splinter and 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 perforate their gut, or maybe even crack their teeth. But can you give a rat a kind of gently used steak bone from your dinner and let him gnaw on it? Is that appropriate? Yeah. Well, and, and remember, when we talk about rats and mice and hamsters and gerbils, their incisors grow their entire life because the job of those incisors is to chew into things. And a lot of times they're using that to get access. 
you know, chewing through the outside of a seed hole to get to the seed, right. chewing through a whatever to get to a nutrient. So by definition, you know, they can chew into those things. However, I don't recommend that owners offer bones or any of that types of materials um, because you never know the background or the quality or what okay. was used to treat them and those types of things. But Offering small amounts of the nutritionally right types of animal proteins from time to time, a little bit of cooked chicken, you know, a little bit of cooked egg, 100% that's no an important kidding. thing to do uh, and something that I recommend with all of these species. So fruits and veggies, pretty much it, it's hit and miss. You offer your rat a piece of banana or a piece of apple or a piece of a sure. strawberry, and it's his all or her above. decision if, they're, if they like it or even in the mood for it that minute. Yeah, and remember, I mean, they're just as snotty and as persnippity as human beings are with what they're willing to eat. And they're all individuals, right? right so you right. may have one rat that loves one thing. But that's why, again, we want to start introducing as much diversity as we can as early on in their life as we can so that we get them used to that diversity. Just like humans. Mix- they don't want exactly. they don't want a kid exactly. to only eat those so-called chicken nuggets, which we don't know how much chicken is even involved in them. But that's all some children will eat for years. And you can actually tell them anything as a chicken nugget and they'll eat it on the theory that, well, it's the thing I know. So, I mean, I guess rats, they say that about cats too. The more more diversity of protein in pouches or cans that you can offer so they don't get hooked, if you will, just on fish in particular, but other other textures or other protein sources, they have to be able to welcome different sources of protein just for variety, right? And that's been an evolution for me even as a vet. You know, when I got out of veterinary school, I recommended one food. Yes. And we don't have yes. to say the food, but it's because they taught my nutrition class yes, they and did. they gave me a, a free textbook, right? Great they marketing. Did. And a but very nice backpack. This... If you were a little younger, right. they would have given you a backpack, a hat, a jacket. <laughs> that's right. You'd be on right. the team. That's right. We would all sing Kumbaya and moved on during the day. But, you know, oh, yeah. as I had my own nutritional epiphanies, you know, I realized there is so much beyond the kibble. And that's what I always like to say to my owners, beyond the kibble. Like, let's talk about getting beyond the kibble. There is a rhyme and a reason for the kibble, and kibbles can be very nutritionally appropriate for certain animals, but we just can't hang our hat that pouring a little bit of brown round kibble in a bowl every day is doing what's right for our animals. And that's especially true with our exotic animals, right? Diversity, diversity, diversity. And the sooner we can introduce that diversity, the sooner we can force them to try that diversity, the better off we're going to be. The nice thing with rat- Cats like dogs is they're not as stubborn as cats. They're not really, right. you know, I, I hate to say it, but dumb Picky. enough to starve themselves to death, right? <laughs> you know, cats can sometimes be so oh, snotty yeah. about it that they'll just put their nose up and say, to heck with you, mom and dad. So the sooner we can get that diversity to your point of structure, of taste, uh, of aroma, of nutritional profile, the bigger that diversity we can feed, the better off in general the animal's going to be. And maybe the people will be better off because if in humans food is love, <clears throat> that apparently is a, a connection we've made and it, it can't be broken. I mean, love might also be money, but it's also food, right? And the human-animal right. bond, how do we – we can't give a bigger allowance to our ferret or our rat, but we could give them more food. We don't want to give them too much food or the wrong food, but by giving them a variety of foods, it's more fun for us. I think it's, well, more, it's more diverting it's more for the human – to see, yeah, to see that animal tackle a different flavor and get a different expression on their little face and have their whiskers, you know, twitch in a different way because it's, it is yeah. all an experience for them. Well, and we'll get into this on another subject sometime, but we'll talk about enrichment. 
Yes. Let's talk about engaging yes. these animals in their environments, right? We want to do that mentally. We want to do that physically. And knowing nutrition is something we do every single day. It's the easiest way to engage these animals in quote-unquote natural behaviors. So we have to utilize the need to feed them as a perfect way to stimulate natural behaviors, activity, physically and mentally. And have them look to us as the source of all good things. If they had any doubts, right, if, if we exactly come right. bearing... Like, you know, an apple, and that's just one of their absolutely favorite things. So here's a question about those co- continuously growing incisors. Does that mean your ferret, your rat, your gerbil hamster need to see the dentist? Or is normal no. life going to wear them down? Right. And, you know, I didn't mention this, but with rabbits and guinea pigs and chinchillas, their entire dental arcade grows their entire life. But if they're Whoa. being fed appropriately in rabbits and guinea pigs, remember we talked about fiber. All yes. that fiber they're chewing wears down those teeth. With rats and mites and hamsters and gerbils, the natural way they interact with their environment, whether they chew up cardboard paper rolls or whether they're Got eating it. their food items, or you can certainly give them natural and safe chew items, that should, in 99% of animals, provide that appropriate natural wear and tear to prevent there from being dental disease or malocclusion. But when that does happen, because of trauma, because of genetic, because of congenital, whatever, you know, we definitely can and should trim those teeth to keep them in normal orientation. Or if you've adopted one of these exotic pets from a rescue or shelter, be it a big one or a small one, these have often unfortunately often been neglected pets and the people who gave them up so i can't take care of them anymore but the truth is it may have been quite a while since they could take care of them whether it's nutritionally or physically so you you have these overgrown teeth that probably is something do you think that when somebody brings a ferret or rat hamster gerbil into their life or for that matter rabbit guinea pig or chinchilla that there should be that first vet visit like we always say with dogs and cats to just check on stuff like this automatically because again we don't often know the background that's right we don't often know where they've come from and as a prey species all they're going to do is pretend that everything is okay so the sooner we can get that baseline physical exam and let's be clear you know my hope and desire is that i never find anything but the sooner i can if there's something there the sooner we can identify it put a plan together decide is this a big issue is it an acute issue is it a chronic issue and what is our options you know moving forward Well, good luck to the rest of you finding a vet who cares this much about the little ones. You can do it, but it's going to take you some time on the the Google machine. Find yourself a vet who knows and cares about small mammals and and let them have your back while you're figuring out all these nutritional ins and outs, which to me sound really fun and interesting. And I hope that you all embrace it the same way, not as, oh, no, you mean I have to go out and buy curly spinach? Yeah, you do. And that's a good thing. So embrace it as part of loving your animal. And to just really quickly talk to that point, because it is a challenge. You know, there are different websites you can find. Oxbow has a veterinary website. Also, the Association oh, of good. Exotic Mammal Veterinarians, which oh, is nice. AEMV.org, uh, has an entire website that's listed by, I think, zip code and state Ooh, that would nice. help you to find a, a qualified veterinarian in your area. Because working with exotics is not just you know, finding a dog and cat vet. You're really better off served by finding somebody who has truly invested the time and effort and energy to, to know what they're doing. Here's what I promise you. To go along with this podcast, I'm going to do a little blog and it's going to have links to rabbit.org and these other great organizations so you can get 
the kind of information and the kind of help that you and your little ones deserve. Thank you so much, Dr. Micah Colas, and to Oxbow in particular. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care. Dr. Doug Mater and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets and our desire to educate and inspire you to give your exotics their best possible life. This show is brought to you by the wonderful companies that cater to the needs of exotic pets. From Zubad Laboratories, where they make everything you need to keep your reptiles and amphibians in tip-top shape, to Oxbow Animal Health, with health and wellness solutions for small mammals, and Zupreme, the company dedicated to your bird's nutrition. And if you haven't read Dr. Doug's book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, yet, do yourself a favor and pick up a copy.